We have come here to chew bubblegum and podcast. And we're all out of bubblegum. This week we discuss John Carpenter's They Live and George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. Werewolves Horror Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things horror. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. Gentlemen, we're back again for another adventure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most excellent adventure. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Did you see the trailer for the new Bill and Ted's? Yeah, it actually doesn't look too bad. Doesn't look too bad. I didn't think it was that great. I mean, it's just a uh, I don't preview. It's just like a, what did they call it, teaser trailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was only like a minute long. Yeah, we don't even know what the full on story is. I just wasn't excited from the trailer, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm just excited. I'm for excited the, for the nostalgia. Nostalgia of it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's nostalgic now. Yeah. That's all right. I could uh, use a little nostalgia in my life right now. Yeah. yeah. Throwback. Throwback. Speaking of nostalgia, I have a very fond place in my heart for one of the movies that we're going to be talking about. But I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> uh, I thought you were getting into it now. <laughs> uh, I'll talk about it later. Uh. Um, but we're talking about two movies today that David picked. Um, the first one is They Live, uh, John Carpenter's They Live, 1988. And the second one is George A. Romero's Land of the Dead from 2005. Uh, you picked these two movies because they were similar. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to pick a couple of movies. I mean, with everything that's kind of going on in the world, I wanted to do one that kind of has commentary on classes mm-hmm. and the haves and the have-nots. Kind of a cultural relevance. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you for finishing that yeah. thought this, that I don't have. Movies that got that social commentary. The social commentary, yep. Yeah. Um, well, these two movies definitely do have uh, social commentary. I mean, we've talked about George Romero's uh, films, uh, Night of, Day of, and Dawn of. Uh, the Living Dead, I guess it's Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. Day of the Dead, not of the Living Dead. But regardless, we talked about those films before and their social commentary. Um, he continued that in 2005, so 30 years after, um, with Land of the Dead. But first, let's go back and talk about, from 1988, John Carpenter's They Live. Uh, directed and written by John Carpenter, although uh, John Carpenter took a pseudonym. <laughs> yeah. Of Frank, Fred Arm- or Fr- yeah, Frank Armitage. Armitage. Um, kind of as a uh, an allusion to one of his favorite writers, H.P. Lovecraft, because hmm. uh, I guess there's a character in one of these Lovecraft books, stories, uh, called Henry Armitage. But uh, anyway, and wasn't it also because like he didn't want to showboat like that he was the director and he wrote it and he did the score. But I think also because it was based on a short story called Eight O'clock in the Morning, yeah, uh, by Ray Nelson. And there had already been, I think, a script, and I think John Carpenter just kind of took it 
and rewrote it. Yeah, and, and it was in a comic book that I think... Comic he, book, that's what it was. Yeah, and, um, I actually bought it. Oh, did you? Yeah, I, I wish I had it. It has not arrived yet. Otherwise, oh. I'd show you guys. But uh, yeah, I actually ordered it as nice. I was like watching the movie. And nice. I, it was awesome. I found a copy so, on eBay for like five bucks. He five changed bucks. a lot of things uh, about it. And so he gets the screenwriting quote-unquote credit. But he didn't want to take all the credit because he didn't right. come up with the basic concept of Makes it. Makes sense. Right. Um, it stars Roddy Piper as Nada. Keith David as Frank uh, Armitage, uh, Meg Foster as Holly, George Buck Flower, Flowers, no Flower. flower. I yeah. love I love George Buck Flower. As Crazy dr- drunk driver, like the Drifter. Uh, yeah, George uh, Buck Flowers. Uh, I get Buck Flower. 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 Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> it says George Buck Flower as, and so I keep reading it as Flowers. Oh, um, Flowers as. <laughs> but he plays that character in like. Back to yeah, every, movie. every movie, but yeah, I always think of him as uh, Back to the Future. He Back. was in he was in the Fog. Yeah, he's oh, in yeah. the Fog, That's and right. he was in plays a bum in the Fog. He plays he's in a couple of Carpenter films. <laughs> he is, yeah, um, yeah. But you're right. He always plays a similar type of character. Yep. Yeah, he he's no longer with us. No, unfortunately, but. Um, but yeah, that's his character. Oh, Escape from New York. He was yeah. a drunk. That's yep. right. <laughs> there you go. And Starman. Uh, budget of the movie three million dollars, box office thirteen million. So not a huge success in the box office, but it definitely did make its money back and more. But I had mentioned that it holds a place dear, near and dear to me. This movie was probably one of the first accidental like watches that I had, and I only rented this movie. And it's it's fun for me because at this time in my life when this movie came out, like I was hardcore into wrestling, professional wrestling, <laughs> and I would watch WWF superstars every Saturday. I would watch if they had Saturday night main event. Uh, obviously, the WrestleManias. I'd go down to the video store, rent all the tapes, like the collections of yeah. you know bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, you know, <laughs> and whatever the fuck they had. Coliseum uh, home Coliseum video. home video. Um, and I obviously was a big fan of Rowdy, Roddy Piper. And when I saw he was in a movie and I was at the video store, I was like, I want that. And I told my parents, can I rent that? And <laughs> They're so that all was, out of hell of frog. It comes to frog town. <laughs> <laughs> and so we rented that, but my, nobody watched it with me. They were like, that's Brett's pick. And so I watched that movie by myself. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'll tell you later on what I thought about it, but it brings me back to that nostalgic place in my head yeah. where I'm like, I'll just this little like 10 year old, 11 year old kid. And I'm like, just wanting wrestling. And like, I, so I pick up this movie and it was an accidental, like I watched it. Like, I didn't even know what it was about, but it is a sci-fi movie uh, at its kind of base roots, but it's uh, it's a horror sci-fi horror yeah um it's not a slasher or anything like that but it's got this dystopian vibe to it this uh this world this america that has nobody's employed so kind of like where unemployment is high it was weird watching this movie uh recently yeah Yeah. it is weird yeah yeah um because you're watching it and you see everybody's unemployed and but you got the rich people still driving around in their bmws and doing their job and then you got all these like laborers day laborers and they're They're doing work, I guess, but they're moving from other parts of the country. Uh, Keith David's character, Frank, his family's back in Detroit. Yep. But all the auto manufacturers got closed down. Right. So he had to move. You know, Roddy Piper's character, not from Denver, right? He's from Denver. And presumably he's 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 married. He's a drifter. Presumably he's married or was married because he's got a wedding wedding ring. Right. Um, But 
he never really talks about himself. Um, as as we all know, Nada. Well, maybe not all of us. Nada means nothing. So he's kind of like yeah. And his character is never spoken by name. So Nada was just kind of like a untitled yeah, character right. name. I think they also call him John Nada. Like nowadays, like if you see it referenced, yeah. sometimes they'll say John Nada, like John Doe. Yeah, he's a drifter. He comes into town into Los Angeles. Um, you know, we get this opening scene uh, where we just got like this um, this bass line. Boom, 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 boom. You get a little harmonica. It's very like down, down on your luck music. And, and it's got train like, tracks, and he's yeah, walking across. And it's got the, that signature John Carpenter typeface, like his uh, the credits. He has a particular font that they always use, and like, yeah. I, like as I watch, it's like, oh, the John Carpenter. Well, font. I also love too. All the title is uh, "They Live," and it's like spray painted almost, and yeah. then it's like blends right into the wall where it's spray painted on the wall. Right. right. Um, but he comes into town. He's just looking for some work. He goes to a placement agency and they're like, we got no work for Nothing. you. She's like so disinterested too. Oh yeah. She doesn't give a shit. There's like no, there's no jobs for you. Um, <laughs> so he goes down to the construction site. And he starts working. Keith David kind of befriends him. It's like, if you need a place to stay, there's a shelter. They give you hot food. There's a shower. Yeah. You know, people watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we do see that also a lot in this movie. Uh, TV is always on, right? Mm-hmm. It's always on. And uh, people are always consuming. I mean, yep, they're either watching it or they're watching it through someone else's window because they don't have TV themselves. And they're almost hypnotized by oh, it, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, there's a scene where this uh, young kid is watching TV through uh, the storefront window. And he's just standing there, like, not blinking, just staring at the TV. And Roddy Piper just walks by him. And the kid just is just staring. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yep. kind of like they're just, it's consumerism. Right. Um, you know, we see a lot of products being advertised from billboards and magazines and everything all over the place. Um, and definitely the dichotomy between the upper class and the lower class. Um, but Roddy Piper goes to this, uh, like shelter area, I guess, you know, it's, it's just a field with a bunch of homeless people in tents. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I shanty town. And have you ever have you ever been in Anaheim mm-hmm. yeah. behind the Angels Stadium? Yeah, oh. I know the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's homeless people. Oh yeah, in tents all behind there. Right. Yeah, and it's like they let them. Like, yep. They don't kick them out, but they're all just lined up, and it's it's quite eye opening to drive past that. While he's there, though, he notices some kind of creepy stuff going on. There's this preacher, this blind preacher, who kind of talks in tongues at times, and there's this. There's also this signal that's being broadcast onto the TV from this guy who's like, they're watching us. They know where <laughs> yeah. every moves. He's kind of scrambling the uh, signal. Yeah, yeah. And the preacher's like mouthing what he's saying as he's saying it. And Roddy yeah. Piper kind of notices it. He's right. Like, like it's a fuck? script. Yeah. I, and I think it's this scene too where uh, George Flower's watching the TV and the preacher's on because it's like it's an intercepting signal yeah and like george flowers trying to watch some game show or some shit and then like the preacher or yeah the guy on the tv comes in yeah and he he switches the channel and he has one of the best lines in the movie he says blow it out your ass <laughs> blow it out your ass <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because that's all George Flower does too. He just sits around and watches TV. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. really work. He just stop eats interrupting and my TV. programming. Yeah, yeah. he's got to watch his shows, his programs, his stories, his stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Piper kind of gets the idea that something's going on here. He doesn't quite know what it is. 
Um, but at the same time, he's also an optimistic character at first. He is. Yeah, and yeah. him and Keith David have this conversation where Keith David's saying, like, look, fucking society who's fucking yeah. shit on me. Yeah. Yep. And he's like, hey, I believe in America. Yeah. And he's got, yeah, like Alan said, he's got this very optimistic view of like America, you know, the American dream. You work hard, you get paid. Yeah, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Whereas Keith David's like, you are fucked in the head if you think that's the way it yeah, works. If you think it yeah. also works on two levels there too, because of the race. Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at it as just two men talking, um, yeah, there's one who's optimistic and one who's not. But if you look at it from a race thing, you got this uh, Roddy Piper, who's a white guy saying, you know, hey, yeah, I'm down on my luck now, but I can always pull myself back up. But you got an African-American man who's like, no, they're always going to hold us down. The system's rigged, man. The system's rigged. They're always going to hold us down. Why? Because they have to him, you know, amongst other things, his race. Mm -hmm. You know, the rich people are always going to control it. Yeah. So it, it works on multiple levels. Yeah, and the rich people will, will throw the occasional bone just so you're you're satisfied. Yep, satiate um, your palate. Yeah, but if you think you're going to get ahead, you're no, you're an idiot. Yep. Yeah. But Roddy Piper is an optimist. Anyway, he sees some shady shit going on <clears throat> or stuff that he doesn't know. And there's a church across the way, and there's always a choir practicing. So one day, one of the guys from but the he also home, never sees anybody ever going into the church. Like they're always a choir practice. Where are the people in the choir? Yeah. But he sees um, one of the the guys from the shelter who's like kind of like runs it, mm-hmm. and he's going in there. So he's like, mm, I'm gonna follow him. Yeah. So he goes in there, and he's like in the back area. And there's a bunch of boxes, and he accidentally finds like this secret compartment where there's a bunch of more boxes in there. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. So he closes it back up. The reverend comes, interrupts him. Yeah, and he also notices around this point too that like the choir, quote unquote, choir practice is on a reel to reel. Like there yeah, is no qu- there is no choir practicing. Yep. Tells Keith David about this, and Keith David's like, "Listen, I don't want to get involved. I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna get my money. I'm I I don't need to be involved yeah. in any of this yeah. bullshit." So as whereas he's a pessimist, he's also kind of like, "I don't want to be involved in shit because I don't want I don't want any attention on me." Right. Right. I got enough attention on me as is. I don't need to stand out. Well, later on that evening, there's a raid that happens. The cops come and raid this fucking uh, church. Yep. And everybody scatters like fucking cockroaches out of yeah. this Dude, place. Dude, I could not help but think of current events <laughs> oh, on, yeah. on the, the oh, church totally. scene in the bulldozing of the uh, the camp. Yep. And... Um, they everybody like scatters all the all the homeless people at the shelter all the people from the church um piper goes back the next day to see what remains and uh he busts down where the secret thing is because he's like that's what they must be after right this is what he's thinking without much dialogue right yeah Mm because oddly enough nada doesn't have a lot of dialogue up to this point (laughs) no he doesn't right there's not a lot of talking Mm -mm. There's a lot of, <laughs> um, but uh, he goes in there and he open. he gets one of the boxes out, finds a back alley and he opens the box mm-hmm. and all that's in there is about 50 pairs of sunglasses. Yeah. And he's kind of like, what? He's like, this can't be what it is. And it's he, like cheap ass sunglasses. He digs through it. Yeah. They're not even Ray-Bans. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like the kind the bank gives away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> With their name on the side. <clears throat> digs through them thinking there's something in there. There's nothing. So he's like, well, I'm just going to hide them. Mm-hmm. Hides them in a trash can. Yeah. And he's like, but I could use a pair of shades. So he puts, he slips one pair in his well, pocket. Yeah. He, he had an extra pair. He's like, fuck it. I'll just take it. And he puts them on. 
Mm-hmm. And when he puts them on, he notices he sees everything in black and white. Right. Which is kind of weird. They're like the opposite of blue blockers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that old blue blockers commercial? Could sell some blue blockers. Uh. <laughs> My name, when was I'm that? I'm here to say, I love blue blockers in a major way. I don't remember that at all. You remember all. that commercial? It's probably no. like the early 90s. Got that rapper with the sombrero on his yeah. head. <laughs> wow. Look up the blue blockers commercial. God, I forgot all about that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> They're like, we went out to the streets of Las Vegas. I guess to see what people thought of blue blockers. blue blockers and there's like this street performer who's a rapper and he'll rap your name like what's your name my name is brett my name is brett i drive a corvette i like to make <laughs> all the girlies wet <laughs> wait a second i don't know oh, if you ever awesome. said that <laughs> but uh <laughs> what the fuck were we talking about <laughs> but anyway so they found this rapper guy and they're like what do you think about the blue blockers jimmy and he's like oh my name is jimmy and i got to say i love these blue blockers in a major way whoa <laughs> then he's like he's like the fucking rap from yeah, fucking fruity really, pebbles it's really <laughs> Remember when Fred and Barney are rapping? He's like, yes. The no, lemon, the I lemon. remember. I remember that. <laughs> Purple, lemon, red. But to get the fruity taste, I gotta trick Fred. To get the fruity oh, taste, oh he's I gotta trick Fred. <laughs> trick Fred. Out of here. Dude, how come like all the early like '90s rap and like not real rap, but like yeah. the stupid bullshit rap was always like my that name is blah blah blah, and I got something to say, blah 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 blah, in, in a, a major, major way. <laughs> so stupid. I know everything. You just reminded me of like those cereal commercials where like Barney and like the kids from the Tricks commercials. Those tricks are a- those kids are assholes. Like they were all fucking tricks assholes. The Lucky Charms. We oh. gotta catch the fucking leprechaun. The magically delicious. It's like, dude, like the Purple fucking hearts. leprechaun. Like he can just. Do fuck you remember off. the the Christmas uh, Fruity Pebbles commercial? Yes. No. <laughs> Give me Santa Fruity Claus Pebbles go. in a bowl. Oh, here comes you know who. Oh, yabba dabba fruity delicious too. <laughs> that was the only. Th- oh, oh, I'm awfully hungry. <laughs> that was the only Santa time of the year. Pebbles. That was the only time of the year when they got. They got along. Yes. And then Fred was like, you can Merry have... Christmas, you can Fred. have some Bond. <laughs> Merry Christmas, oh, Barney. Thanks, Fred. Hey, thanks, Fred. <laughs> but the, um, um, the best in the rap one was when he's like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, but then they made the flavors in the rap, too, and it's like... Um, I love those flavors. Orange, purple. Purple as a flavor. Nothing rhymes oh. with purple, either. It's like purple, lime, and red. Purple and red are the flavors. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, orange del- is a delicious flavor purple. and lime is a flavor, but Mm-mm. they're like, orange. I love them flavors, orange, purple, lime, and red, they but to get say- the fruity taste, I got a trick for it. couldn't say grape and cherry because it didn't rhyme with Fred. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, man. I will say this, though. Man, fruity pebbles are so it's good. pretty good. Oh, they're magically delicious. Yeah, they are. Better That's than fucking Lucky, lucky Charms. charms. <laughs> yeah, like, I wasn't big on Lucky Charms. What? You sure. know you were talking earlier about when you eat something and, it make, and your pee you smells, smells like it? Like, yeah. Uh, sugar smacks. <laughs> oh, the honey smacks? <laughs> honey smacks, yeah. Oh, I gotta try that one. Sometimes my pee just smells like that in general. Yeah, it just smells like honey <laughs> smacks. Even if I haven't eaten them. I don't think I've eaten sugar smacks or honey smacks or whatever the fuck they're called. It's been a while. What about honeycomb? Oh, honeycomb was pretty good. Honeycomb big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. It's not small. No, no, I think Andre the Giant was in one of those commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the mascot for honeycombs? I don't know. I don't think. Oh, 
I can't remember. But do you remember uh, Golden Crisp was the bear? Golden Crisp was the remember bear. Remember Apple Jacks? Like all their stupid commercials about, like, whoa, this should taste like apples. How can we like it? And they're like, dun, 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 dun. Because <laughs> fuck you, that's why. But they was like, no, we just like it, okay? Yeah. Dude, leave us alone. Smacks had the frog. Yeah, his little frog. With like a sideways cap or something, right? Or like a hat that was like turned up. Yeah. I remember Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon had, Toast was the Crunch? Chef. There's there like a few used to of them, be right? three of them. Yep. And then there was one. One of them killed off the other two, though. <laughs> he ate them. Yeah. Fucking snap, crackle, and pop. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Rice Krispies. Yeah. Rice Krispies. Oh, I love chocolate. Chocolate. Uh, oh, Cocoa Pebbles are good, too. Cocoa, Cocoa Pebbles, Pebbles. Cookie Crisp. Cocoa Puffs. Oh, oh man. I was shit. cuckoo for cookie, Cocoa Puffs. Cookie Crisp was the cop chasing the <laughs> robber and the dog. Cookie yeah. Crisp. Cookie Crisp. It's like the after these messages. We'll be, we'll be right back. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. And then you got like 20 oh, cereal commercials. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, we're back from oh. our commercial break. All right, so, what do, so what do you rate it? Uh, what, what were we talking? They just bulldoze the uh, the tent city. Oh, he puts on the he puts on the um, sunglasses and he oh. notices everything's in black and white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he sees these like, the subliminal weird. messages so in the advertisements. Off, and he kind of gets a headache and he puts it on and then he looks up and he sees billboards. All yeah. the billboards they say like. Um, consume, obey, obey, yeah. Um, marry and reproduce. <laughs> yeah. Walks by a submit. <laughs> yeah. Walks by a, a magazine stand. All the magazines. Yep. Same just thing. The same thing. He starts do not, flipping. Do through. not question authority. Yep. And it's all subliminal messaging. The money says this is your god. Yep. yep. But there's a guy who kind of bumps into Nada, and he looks up, and it's. This fucked up looking dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> like an alien face. Yeah, he's got. He's like his face is inside out. <laughs> That's what it yeah. looks like. Um, yeah, and he's telling, like, "Hey, what's your problem, pal?" <laughs> and he's like, what? "He doesn't say shit." So I was that guy for Halloween one year. He was. I remember that. Yep. He's got that mask. Yeah, yeah. They make they make uh, some good ones. I think it's Trick or Treat Studios. Yeah, uh, that make them. But yeah. they make like a, right. during election season of 2016. There was like a Hillary Clinton <laughs> and, a, and a Donald Trump one. That's funny, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, he sees everything and he starts seeing these aliens or I get, I mean, we call them aliens. That's what they are. That's what they are. Um, he doesn't know what they are right away, but we start seeing these aliens. He starts seeing like invisible, uh, satellite dishes mm-hmm. spinning around broadcasting message. I don't know how he hears them, but he, uh, broadcasts, uh, messages. There's like UFOs flying around that he couldn't see without the glasses. So yep. he's, his eyes are open. Yeah. He's like, Oh shit. Goes into this like convenience store and he sees all these people. Like, even on the street, like, oh, I told him to... My name is Leonard Nimoy. (laughs) And uh, they're all these fucking uppity yuppities. And they're they're all aliens. aliens. Yeah. And the the people that they're, like, looking down on or whatever are the humans, right? And that's the one where, is he, like, he looks at that woman, he's like, you look like your head fell into the cheese dip back in 1957. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you... You're, you're okay. okay. You, you you're fucking, fucking ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she goes to her watch and she's like, he can see us. I got one that can see. Yep. And then they all start and he's like, I'm out of here. He's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> they all got Dick Tracy watches. <laughs> yep. I think he ad libbed that shit too. He did. He, he ad libbed another line, of, uh, but yeah, he did yeah. that one. Um uh, he gets attacked by cops who are of course aliens and they're like, Hey, look, man, you can see us. This is what they basically say. You can see us. We can all benefit from this. If you just come with us quietly, you know, we can give you something you need. You can give us something I need. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And then he just hauls off and kicks them in the nuts. Takes their guns. <laughs> and then he kills them. And he's yeah. like, you die like we do. 
Boom. Boom. Kills both of them. Grabs a shotgun. Grabs some shells yeah. and a handgun and goes into a bank. We got the best line And ever. then he improvises this line, Alan. What is it? I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> I had to remember it because that, that you know what you know what's funny? Well, That's chew like, bubble gum and kick ass, right? Whatever. And whatever. But it's fantastic. Wait, yeah. I came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. I came here ass. to chew bubble gum and, and kick, kick ass. ass. And I'm all, I'm all out of bubble gum. All Isn't that what I said? Gum. You Man, reversed whatever. it, but it doesn't matter. Go ahead. What were you going to say? You had to think about it. Because... That's not my favorite line in the movie. That's oh, like, it's not? That's everybody and their grandmother's favorite line. That's, well, not the, that's not the best line in the movie. Yeah, it's not necessarily the best line in the movie, but it is one of the most quotable and one of the most memorable The best lines. line hasn't it, happened yet. I okay. think I know. I think I can predict it. But he uh, he comes in there and then everybody starts screaming and uh, he, he starts blasting. He people. starts blasting, but only aliens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he even runs across a cop. Well, now he's a cop killer, right? So mm-hmm. they're after him, and uh, he even runs across a police officer who isn't an alien, and he lets him go. He's like, "Just get the fuck out of here." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up running into Meg Foster, Holly, and uh, who this actress, Meg Foster, you know. God bless her soul. I she's a fine actress and everything, but every time I look at her, her eyes, like dude, those eyes are amazing. They Ooh. creep me out. <laughs> do you remember her as Evil Lynn in the Masters of the Universe movie? I do now. Yes. Yep. She creeps me out. Yeah, those eyes are her, awesome. It's like I can see through her soul, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> she's creepy. Uh, she's probably a very fine woman. Uh, but anyway, he kidnaps her and she takes him back to her place. And uh, they talk for a little while, and you think like maybe they're going to develop a friendship, but no, she pushes him out of her window. Yeah, yeah. he has an amazing fall. Like, no. he, he has a good oh, yeah. tumble down a hill. So he's all fucked up. So he decides, I'm going to go back to the alley, and I'm going to get, because yeah, I need a new pair of sunglasses. <laughs> yep. And uh, they're not there, but the trash is getting taken out. So right. he climbs into the trash bin. <laughs> and he gets him. Oh, before that, I think he runs into Keith David and he's like, You got to come with me. And Keith David's like, You get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody knows he's a wanted man now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes and gets the sunglasses out of the uh, dumpster or the uh, uh, trash garbage truck. And um, he gets as many as he can. And then Keith David comes up and he's like, Look, here's your money. This yeah, is all I can him. get you. Yep. Now get the fuck out of here. You better get out of here as far. And he's like, Put these sunglasses on <laughs> no and then man. we get we get a five and a half minute fight Dude, scene one of the best fight scenes ever right and i think there's a longer version of it i want to <laughs> say like they did a, a a full version like the full version of the fight was around 11 minutes but they cut it down to five and a half <laughs> but there's a lot of you can tell roddy piper brought a lot to it because there's a lot of wrestling like holds and moves that you would see like from yeah. back in that day it's all pretty convincing though like it looks good i guess they rehearsed it for three yeah, weeks it, and it right. shows like it looks really good and keith david right piper was a professional wrestler so he's a professional like yeah fighter yeah, keith, keith david's keith, awesome in that scene yeah yeah keith david's no slouch no, no. he does he does great in that movie um, so they fight. Finally, Piper ends up again, getting the upper hand, not really winning, but getting the upper hand and puts the sunglasses on him. And now he's like, look, and Keith David's eyes are open. And so then they, one of the best scenes too, is after that, when they're walking down the street and they're both just beat to shit yeah. to go to the hotel <laughs> yeah, they, and yeah. they're like, I want a room. Uh-huh. <laughs> Their jaws are all just beat the up. shit out of each other. Yeah. Something about that fight scene. Um, there's a lot of symbolism to that too. Because some people just don't want to see the real picture. They don't want to, you know, they they don't want to know what's going on. Like, they know something's up. 
They just don't want to get involved. Like Keith, like Keith David's character, he knows he knows something's up. Yeah, he knows something's he's not up. Stupid. No. And Roddy Piper is like trying to convince him. He's like, put these on. You're gonna see what's going on. And Keith David, he knows something's going on, but he want at the same time he doesn't want any trouble. He doesn't want anything to escalate in his life because it's as it's bad enough. And I guess he feels like if he doesn't see it, then he doesn't have to acknowledge it. So it's mm-hmm. it's symbolic of trying to make people in society realize, hey, this is what's going on. It's pretty bad. Like you got a lot of people protesting right now. It's trying to make people realize, look, this is pretty bad for everyone. Yep. Yeah, I know you got your way of seeing the world, but here's how yeah. here's another perspective. So it's very symbolic of trying to like convince somebody, you know, yeah. and they don't want to see it. And then when they see it, they're just like, like oh shit. They're taken aback. So yeah. well, that's not how I see things. And <laughs> my friend is not like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've never had an experience like that, so it must not be true. But yeah, so they get this hotel room and they decide they're going to shack up there and hide out and figure out what their next plan of attack is. Well, meanwhile, one of the guys from the homeless shelter oh, sees yeah. Keith David and he's like, hey, you made it out. Meet us down at this place for a meeting. Yeah. And Gilbert, so, I think is the guy's name. Yeah. yeah. He was like the leader. Yeah. The best line happened in that hotel room. All right. What happened? Was it, can I guess, is it the life's a bitch and she's back in heat? That's the one. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> now- the delivery is amazing too because he like he's all beat up like he's shirtless like he's all torn up and shit and he's just like his face is like a mess and it's just like he has this sweat like and he just delivers that line and it's it's just a fucking brutal line because basically what he's saying is life is fucking him yep mm. that's, that's pretty much it it's the best line of the movie yep and so he's finally, so you got both of those characters finally coming to a realization, right? Roddy Piper realizes that Keith David was right. Life sucks. Mm-hmm. And Keith David realizes his eyes are open to the, the what the problem actually is. Right. And so uh, they go down to this meeting and they realize, well, sunglasses are, they're so <laughs> 19, <laughs> 1988. Yeah, exactly. We're going to uh, move into the 90s. Contact lenses now. Yep. So they put in their contact lenses. And Keith David, he gets a, a watch from one of the aliens. So it has like a teleportation ability. Yeah. They just don't know how to work it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they're there. Holly shows up and Roddy Piper's like, oh, you know, whatever. And she's like, I thought I killed you. You know. Yeah, I, she's like part, of the, she's part of the resistance. Yep. Yeah, I know some shit's going on, but it's not at... She tells him it's not at cable channel 54. You know, it's coming from somewhere else. Right about then is when the aliens come and attack him. Yeah. Dude, there's like an awesome police shootout. And yeah. dude, the uh, camera work in that scene is awesome. There was like a really cool backwards tracking shot following right. him down the hall, uh, the the um, the alleyway. Yeah. yeah. That was just super cool. Um. So Frank and Nada, they whoa. What was that? <laughs> my, my that was throat. awesome. Wow, impressive. My throat made a noise as I was talking. Ooh. I'm like a ventriloquist kind of. <laughs> uh, Frank and Nada, uh, they get split up from Holly. They don't know Holly could be dead or whatever. They go down this <clears throat> alleyway and they're getting trapped. But um, Frank gets the watch to work by just breaking it basically, <laughs> yeah. and it opens up a portal. portal. Yeah. And it says, uh, this portal will only be open for the next 10 seconds. Get in and mm-hmm. get a new watch because your watch is fucked. <laughs> and so they jump down into the portal right as it, they're going to get killed and it closes up. And they find themselves underground in like 
a secret pathway mm-hmm. that looks like, I don't know, an industrial hallway. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Somewhere like a sewer system almost. Um, but they come across all these different rooms and there's a room where they're having a, um, a banquet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah banquet. Exactly. And there's all these humans in the audience, but there's like an alien who's talking to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, you are the elite. Your pay has gone up 37% this last year. <laughs> And we're going to make America great again. Pretty and, much. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all cheering them on. Right. Woo. And then they run into George flower mm-hmm. and he's like, you guys made it down here too. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Sounded like, bum howdy. And then all of a sudden, like George flower, like knows everything about it. Cause he's like, let me take you on the grand tour. Yeah. Let me show you what's up. <laughs> so he takes them around and he shows them everything. Like, and he's like talking shit to the guards. He's like, looking good boys. <laughs> like he, like, like he owns the place, right, dude? And that's another shot, like that's really cool because it follows them like almost all the way to the studio. Yeah, and I think he even says something like, "Hey, what's wrong with having a good for a change?" Which I thought was another good line, where it's like, "Hey, like, hey, everything's working good for me." Yep. So, and he shows them that they have this teleportation device that takes them to like the Andromeda Galaxy back where they're from, um, and then they go to the to the cable news studio or the whatever the news studio. And uh, he takes him in there, and this is when they reveal to George Flower that they're not with him. <laughs> yeah, sorry, and buddy. he says he says a good line here, and it was a line actually that a studio exec said to John Carpenter that he put into the oh, yeah. movie, and it was something to the effect of "We all sell out." Um, so, and it kind of alludes back to your line: "We all sell out, so why not me?" Or you know, basically something like that. Like yeah. what? What's the threat in that? Or something? what's the what's the problem in that? Mm-hmm. You know, we all sell out sometimes, so who cares? Just as long as I get a little my bet my beak wet. Mm-hmm. Can you remember if they explained why <laughs> they they the chose is Brett? And I like to get my beak wet. <laughs> yeah, in a major way. <laughs> Can you remember why they chose George Flowers' character to? They don't say. Um, I just watched this movie today. They don't say, but it's just like when they all scattered. Yeah. It was like maybe he had some information. It was like it was like what they were saying to Roddy Piper earlier on when they were like, "You give us some information, we'll give you some information." Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he kind of had an in, like he knew maybe where they were meeting or whatever. I couldn't remember if they explained that or not. Yeah, no, they don't really explain it. Um, George Flower disappears. He zaps himself out of yeah, there. Yeah, with he his teleports watch, out, of and his... we never see so him you. again. Yeah. So Keith David and Roddy Piper decide they're gonna, you know, go blow up the satellite dish at the at the roof to stop the broadcast um, of all this nonsense because that's their main hub mm-hmm. at this new at this channel fifty four. And so they go up there along the way. Yeah, gunfight ensues. Uh, they meet Meg they Foster. Bump, yeah, they bump into Holly. Yeah, and they're like, "Holly, you survived." And she's like, "Yeah, you guys okay?" And they're like, "Yes." We got to go. We got to destroy the satellite dish. So they make their way up there. And right as they're going to get up, you know, well, not it not goes up, not it goes up. And he's like, Holly, Frank, come. And he goes up and Holly pulls out a gun, puts it right at Keith David's head. Boom. And we hear the blast as Nada faces the satellite dish. And he sees what it is through his uh, contacts. And he's about ready to destroy it. And then Holly comes up behind him. And, you know, she explains to him that she's part of them. Mm-hmm. And he's like fuck you he kills her and then he goes back well there's a chopper also that's gonna kill him Mm -hmm. and then he goes back to the satellite dish and he's like fuck it 
Fuck it. And he shoots it. He gets shot. He shoots it again or whatever. It blows up. Everything blows up. And then all of a sudden, all the transmissions stop. And we start seeing all the aliens for what they truly are in yep, real life. And everyone can see them. Everybody can see them. Everybody can see the subliminal messages now. And they're in color for the yeah, first time. Like, oh, right. shit. So they're like blue they're, and red. Yep. And the newscasters are that. And then there's a guy sitting in a bar and he's like, what? What's going on? Yeah. And then <laughs> People are just this, staring. I'm like, holy shit. And then there's this chick banging this dude. Yeah. Yep. And he looks up and she looks down and he goes, what's the matter, baby? Yeah, what's the matter, baby? Cut, cut to credits. End yeah. of movie. End of movie. So, uh, what do you think, David? I made me go first. I, um, yeah, why not? I love this movie. And I, it, what's weird is I, the first time I saw this movie, it wasn't that long ago. I feel like the first time I saw this movie was maybe 10 years ago. And I was like, eh. when it was over, I was like, I thought it was a little slow. It was okay. And over the years, I've seen this movie more and more. And every time I see it, I feel like I like it even more and I get more out of it. Uh, I really like the social commentary. I don't think it really hits you over the head with it either. Because I've also seen interpretations like where people are like, oh, they, where people get this movie completely wrong. Really? And Carpenter has like set the record straight. Like, no, the movie is about this. Yeah. You are wrong. Um, and I like that. I also like the Carpenter's not shy about like what the movie means. Like, yeah. you know, like sometimes directors are like, oh, you know, I'll leave it up to you. But like <laughs> he's taking the stand is like, nope, this movie is a commentary on this. It's like the Reagan era. Yeah. yeah. And if you see it any way differently, you're wrong. Yeah. It is a critique of Reaganomics. Um, and I think in today's society, it it's, has just as much, if not even more weight because it takes some of those concepts and is like, if we magnified this and continued, this is where things could head. And I think in that sense, the movie was really ahead of its time. I think the performances are really good. Um, you know, Roddy Piper wasn't really an actor, yet I thought his performance was, was fine. I didn't really see anything wrong with it. It's definitely his best movie, but that's like not saying <laughs> so he, doesn't have a, he didn't do a whole lot of movies. Um, I thought Keith David was great. There's not a whole lot of supporting characters, and I'm okay with that. There's not a whole lot other than those two. There's not much dialogue. Yeah. There's um, you had you had George Flower. You also had Peter Jason, who was another Carpenter guy. Yeah, um, I I really really like this movie. I don't find it boring at all. I, I, it's, in terms of horror, it's not scary. Um, it's scary in the sense of the the how, reality of it. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the true horror, which in some ways might be the, the scariest type of movie yeah. of all. Um, and I, and I kind of like the message of like those things that are like working against us need to be destroyed and need to change. Yeah. And the power to change those things comes from the people who are the weakest. And, you know, I just think it's a really good message. Uh, I like this movie a lot. Um, I, I, I went four and a half. I can't quite go five. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just there's it's tough. Like some of the some of the acting is a little suspect. Some of the dialogue's a little goofy. And that's about I mean, that's nitpicky. <laughs> I want to hear what you guys say, but I'm I'm a four and a half on this one. I could be persuaded. <laughs> one, two, three, go. Go well, ahead. Do you go want ahead, me bro. to go? Yeah, go ahead. Um Like I said, this movie reminds me a lot of my childhood. Um, it was an accidental viewing, but it was a happy, the happiest of accidents, uh, me seeing this movie. Cause I had rented other Roddy Piper movies like body slam. You ever see that movie? <laughs> no, but I saw the trailer for it. I think when uh, I saw it, at, like, uh, I saw they live at the uh, Alamo draft house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw they live there too. Did oh, we yeah. see it together? Yeah, we probably did. I can't remember. Yeah, I think we did. 
were we holding hands? <laughs> I can't remember. That was back when we could go to the movies. Yeah, exactly. I think we did <laughs> see that together. Um, anyhow, uh, yeah. Um, so my expectation was just, I want to see a movie with a wrestler in it. And uh, I saw this movie and I was just, I didn't understand it, obviously, being 11 years old. I didn't understand it like I can kind of understand it now. And I don't even know if I fully understand it now. I understand it. But much like what you're saying, David, is I think I get something new out of each viewing of it. And and especially because of what we're going through most recently, obviously with COVID-19 and then with um, the George Floyd protests and then the government's reaction or inaction uh, regarding uh, a lot of stuff recently. And just the whole Trump administration in general has left a bad taste in most Americans' mouths. And I think this shows us, this movie can show us, like you said, it's way ahead of its time. You know, Reagan might have been bad, but he wasn't Trump bad. Um, and we can we can right the ship uh, if we want to. Um, but this is what the, the world could look like, minus aliens. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... This is probably my favorite John Carpenter film. I think I I would actually I could actually argue that this is his best film. Everybody talks about Halloween all the time. Halloween's great. Halloween led to a franchise, and that's why I think people regard that put that in high regard, especially in the horror community. Um, the Thing is also a really good movie, and it's it's a toss up between They Live and The Thing for me. Um, but I think They Live probably edges The Thing out. The music is great. The action scenes are wonderful, wonderfully choreographed, as we talked about the five and a half minute fight scene. Um, the acting is great. Roddy Piper, you know, it's funny because you said he's not really an actor. He was one of the best professional wrestlers, and it was because of his um, ability to to play a character. Mm-hmm. So he was an actor of sorts. Yeah. Um, he was in a number of films. I mean, he was, but I mean, like even when he was wrestling, like his character that he had, like he had to come up with all that dialogue himself. Right. right? Um, when he was wrestling, he was a talker for sure. He was definitely one of the best talkers in the eighties generation of wrestling. So to that point, he had acting ability prior acting experience prior to this, but this was definitely something that showed it. And I, I'm actually disappointed that he didn't get more roles because of this. Yeah, I agree much better than Jesse Ventura and Hulk Hogan ever (laughs) dreamed of being as actors, (laughs) but I digress. Uh, Keith David obviously is good. Meg Foster is good except for creepy eyes. Um, (laughs) George flowers. Fine. Uh, he was was good too. Uh, so yes, this is, this is a five. This is a no brainer five for me. All right. You gave it a four and a half. Like I said, man, it's up to you. I can be persuaded. <laughs> no, dude, I already know what I rated. I was it. so close on this one. Yeah. Um. It's not Carpenter's best film, but it's probably his most powerful. And See, it, that's kind of where I was too, because like I feel like the thing is the better, in my opinion, the better movie. Well, the thing had a bigger budget. This only had three million in budget. It's it's a really great science fiction film at its core but you know when you combine um the message he's trying to send to the viewer um it just elevates what it is a science fiction film at its core but it elevates that to another level that a lot of other science fiction films don't really reach you know they're entertaining films but you know very few have a message like this so it's his most powerful film i don't think it's his best film um I think as as great as this film is, 
I think it could have been a little tighter. Um, the scene in the alley when, you know, where they're shooting each other, like, um, sometimes I'm, I'm taken out of it a little bit because, uh, like, there's no bullet holes and everything. Like, where are the bullets? Like, you know, just little <laughs> things like that. You know, I love this movie. Don't get me wrong for like everything that you guys established, you know, I'm right there with you. Um, it's one of like, I think it's one of the first Carpenter movies I've ever seen next to the fog. Like that was another early one. Um, and then the thing when I got a little older, but, uh, I give it a four and a half, um, everything we've already established. Um, you know, I just think it just suffered a little bit just from its low budget. It didn't have a big budget because, and, and I'm doing this off of memory. I'm not using any resources right now, but, uh, his previous film was big trouble. Uh, Prince of darkness. Was it Prince of darkness? Prince of darkness. Yeah. 87. I think it was because Big Trouble was 86, I think. But I think it was I think it was Big Trouble in Little China where he had a pretty decent budget and then it didn't do yeah, well. Yeah, it flopped. And then I think Prince of Darkness like did okay. Like I'm not sure. I don't think that did well either. Mm -hmm. So, uh who was it? Paramount or Columbia for this one? I think it was uh Universal. No, it's Universal. Universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Universal so he only had a three million budget. You know, they weren't really, you know, putting any stock into this. So I think the production itself, like he did everything he could and he did a great job. But you can just kind of see little just little things in the production where it could have been a little tighter. So I don't think it's his best film, but it's definitely his most powerful. I give it a four and a half. I love this film. Of course, we went over the one liners. Um, and the dialogue's great. And that's, you know, that's a, a big credit to Roddy Piper. Like we discussed, like, you know, he could improvise and he could really come up with some, some good dialogue. So yeah, definitely the highlight. Um, another funny thing is, uh, some people, you know, I've read over the years, like, oh, some people wish Kurt Russell had been the, the lead. No way. No, it would have, it, 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 it would not have worked because, you know, like all the, you know, all the John Carpenter fanboys, you know, and all the Kurt Russell fanboys, you know. I get it, you know, it's it's a, it's a great. He wouldn't have played it as raw as Roddy Piper. Yeah. It wouldn't it would not have been the same movie. Yeah, like some I agree. people some people are like why why wasn't it? Why didn't he pick Kurt Russell? I or, also feel like if you're watching it with Kurt Russell, you'd be like that's Kurt Russell. Whereas like yeah, you know, you guys yeah. you were, you know, wrestling fans. Yeah. Like I wasn't a big wrestling guy, so like the first time I saw this movie, I didn't know who he was, or yeah. at least very little. Like yeah. And I think the story goes and this is from memory too. Um I think the story goes, uh, he attended WrestleMania three because of Alice Cooper, because of Alice Cooper. Mm -hmm. And he knew Alice Cooper, John Carpenter, he's talking about, and Alice Cooper right. was in Prince of Darkness. Right. And, and he was, uh, he was set to film his next, his next movie. And he wanted Roddy Piper because he could talk. Yeah. And he was impressed with his wit. Yeah. And I think the story goes was Vince McMahon and Hogan like got jealous or something. So that's how no holds barred was made. Hmm. <laughs> no holds barred, not a horror movie, but I will rate it right now. Zero. zero. <laughs> that's funny. I saw no holds barred in the theater though. Oh shit. I, saw I told you, man, I think I we was... talked about this before. I saw suburban commando <clears throat> in the theater. I was ridiculous when it came to professional wrestling. Like that's what I wanted to be when I was that's older. That's funny, dude. Did you have wrestling buddies? Suburban, Suburban Commando is not that bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad, but it's not that bad. So no. that's a four six seven. So I'm gonna stand on the four point five because I just I don't think it's perfect. But this is a very
very good movie. And I feel like now more than ever, I would urge any of our listeners who haven't seen this film, please watch watch it. it. And if you haven't seen it recently, please watch it again. Yeah, watch it again. And, uh, you know, they were in talks to remake this film. And I was just like, they better leave it alone. And then they were like, well, we're going to we're going to remake it, but we're not going to remake the John Carpenter version. We're going to go back to the original source material. And it's like, you know what? You know what you should do instead of remake? Re-release the fucker. (laughs) Re-release this movie. Because, yeah, you know what? You can make a shit ton of money if you re-release this movie, especially right now. Well, not right now, because nobody can go in the movie theater. So (laughs) soon. Um, From that, we move to 2005. uh, A little director by the name of George A. Romero. You might have heard of him. Uh, he directed a film called Land of the Dead. Now, this was the fourth in what grew to become six zombie films, mm-hmm. right? It was an original trilogy, and then it became a sexology. <laughs> I don't know. It became six movies. A heptology? <laughs> that sounds about right. Hex, sure. I guess hexology, right? Hep, well, hex would, is... be, hep would be seven. Pent is oh, five. Oh, Pent is five, yes. Yeah. yeah, hex. There you go. Hexology? I don't know. That's probably not even a fucking real thing. <laughs> six fucking movies. You Dumbass. Um, directed by George Romero, written by George Romero. It stars Simon Baker as Riley, John Leguizamo as Cholo, uh, Dennis Hopper as Kaufman, Asia Argento as Slack, uh, Eugene Clark as Big Daddy Zombie. And there's some other people in there too. Yeah. Uh, it's got a budget of 15, between 15 and $19 million, and it made at the box office 46.8, probably because this was George Romero's return to zombie <laughs> film. Yay. Oh, he's coming back, everybody. And I remember like, everybody had a fucking well, heart and on this. Was the fr- this is fresh off the heels of uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake, too. Yeah, and Shaun of the Dead yep. uh, had come out. Zombies right. were making Zombies a comeback. Zombies were in. Yep. Right. Uh, back then. And they haven't really lost favor, really. I mean, they kind of waned a little bit, but this is like coming on to the peak of zombie resurgence. For a number of years, people couldn't figure out if they liked pirates or zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Zombie pirates. Yep. Um, they're like, just watch the fog. <laughs> Doesn't that have zombie pirates? It kind does. Of? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, everybody was like, George Romero's back, right? And he's back with a vengeance. So this movie, I saw this movie back in 2005, 2006, whenever it came out on DVD. That was the last I didn't time see I saw theater. it too. I saw it in the theater also. And I remember like when I saw it, there was a weird guy standing outside the theater. And like while everyone was in line buying tickets, there was this guy and he had like his hands on his hips and he was like, movies, movies, movies. You're all going to the movies. <laughs> that memory <laughs> just always stuck in my head. I'm like, me and my friends are like, well, that's, that's weird. But yes, we're at a movie yes, we're theater all, and we're yeah, all yeah. going to the movies. And I'm pretty sure he was there to see a movie as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, strange times. <laughs> I mean, it's a fucking zombie movie. What, what do you want me to say? Uh, I mean, there's a message to it. We'll get to that when we talk about the review. But basically, there's a bunch of people. Uh, zombies have been going on for a while. We get a bunch of clips at the beginning, kind of like, yep. this happened zombies i kind of wish he would have used clips from his movies but yeah whatever but there's a bunch of clips and it's like this has been going on for years now and society has kind of evolved to live with it but there's definitely two classes there's there's this guy kaufman who has this big building that he basically took over Mm. privatized fiddler's green and made it into this uh luxurious uh Mall slash like a mall is an apartment, yeah, kind yeah, condominium place where mm-hmm. all the elite can go for a price. And then there's outside, but still in the city. There's all the fucking city dwellers yeah. 
who are placated by him tossing them some you know money every once in a while or giving them gambling and yeah and games and games and yeah. sex and drugs and rock and roll right <laughs> and then uh amongst those are the people who are like well we got to provide for our own people but we also got to provide for Kaufman right yeah so they go out and they scavenge and they yeah come do back. supply runs and stuff um Kaufman is what some people would consider the one percent yeah yes Dennis Hopper yeah Dennis Hopper um and they uh Simon Baker who plays Riley is like the head of these like scavengers and uh they go out they get supplies John Leguizamo's kind of like I don't know if he's his right hand man but he's like one of the upper bosses yeah, if you he, want to look at it on a tier system, and he's kind of the guy who quote unquote takes out the trash, like yeah. in more ways than one. Yeah, and he, and he does he a lot of Kaufman's dirty work. Yeah, he does some side work for Kaufman, but he's also looking out for himself. Like he'll mm-hmm. go on liquor runs. Yeah, because he can sell the liquor yeah. at a profit. Yep. He's also uh, he feels like he's working his way up the ladder. Yeah, exactly. And if he do if he does as he's told, and he does he'll some extra in. favors, like the, the elite will let him become one of them. Yep, and he'll get in. Yep. Um, so. He's also willing to sell out his own um, kind to get a leg up. Oh, absolutely. Which yeah. is that's something we didn't really talk about in They Live, but that's a theme in They Live also, mm-hmm. especially with George Flower char- George Flower's character. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout this adventure, you know, zombies, we see zombies, but there's this one zombie, they call him Big Daddy Zombie in the credits, uh, Eugene Clark, but he's like a gas station attendant. And he, like, becomes aware. Yeah, he's a little bit more advanced. He's smart. So they'll send off what they call flowers, and it's uh, fireworks in the sky, to distract the zombies because they'll just look up. And uh, this this one kind of just kind of looks at him, and then he's like, fuck yeah, that. whatever. And then he's, like, chasing after people, and he, like, yells to other zombies to get their attention, and they start following him. So slowly throughout the movie, periodically, we'll see this zombie ga- gather more into his zombie army, teaching them how to communicate with one another, how to use tools because he's slowly learning all that stuff. Uh, except for he doesn't know what an extension cord is. <laughs> Cause <laughs> at some point yeah, yeah. he pulls out jackhammer or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. It's actually somewhat of a progression in his movies where in each movie they get a little smarter, right? Yeah. Like I think in, in Dawn of the Dead, they um, well, there's like, still like some familiarity yeah, yeah, with them at the mall. In Night of the Living Dead, they can only have they have like basic motor functions, but right. in Dawn, like they kind of do what they re- they have like distant memories of what they could do. And then Day, you have Bub, who's like an example more, of like, can like talk and yeah. you can like learn to shave. Did, and you guys, yeah. did you guys catch the Bub cameo in this movie? Yeah, yeah, in the liquor store. Right, he's the one that attacks John oh, Leguizamo. Really? Yeah. yeah. There was another cameo later too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's, there's a lot of references. Savini? Yeah, yeah. Who is the same biker character yeah. mm-hmm. that he is? But zombified, but, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, they do that. This kid gets killed. Simon Baker's all pissed off at John Leguizamo. Leguizamo's like, "Fuck you." You know, I do it for myself. You know, we talk about the classes in this. There's the upper class. There's this lower class that lives outside the city. But there's also the lowest class, which is the zombies. Right. And that's who's getting treated the most like shit. Right. Yep. And that's who's getting um, used and abused uh, also. So it represents like a three-class system uh, as far as the movie goes. Uh, and again, capitalize, using one to make yourself better. 
And it's like uh, Simon Baker's character of Riley is like all pissed off because Leguizamo is using, you know, his people, you know, turning on his people Mm -hmm. to like be part of the elite. But at the same time, Riley's using the zombies and their stupidity or whatever and using them Mm -hmm. and killing them off for his people to live. So it's like you're doing the same thing, man. Um, so whatever, would you guys give it? (laughs) Uh, so yeah, so comes out, Leguizamo goes and visits its Kaufman and, uh, Kaufman, Dennis Hopper's like, thanks. Uh, and then Leguizamo's like, Hey, you owe me some money. And Kaufman's like, no, I'm not going to pay you. And so Leguizamo gets pissed off. Yep. And he steals this. Well, he gets pissed because like he wants to be part of the Fiddler's Green, and he's like, right. "Nah, I'm not gonna let you in." Yeah, like, he's like, "Oh, there's a whole waiting period and all this stuff." And he's like, "I get it. I'm not. I'm not one of you." Yep. And then he tries to kill Leguizamo. Yep. Yeah. And basically saying, "I'm not gonna pay you any money. You're not gonna get in. I don't here. need your I'm services you. anymore." Yep. yep. Um, Leguizamo escapes and he's like, I'm going to get my money, which I'm like, wait, what good is it going to do you anywhere? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, money seems kind of useless. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in this movie. And we're like, really? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this has been going on for fucking years and you guys are still like going, Oh, you got a dollar. Fuck you. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I thought that too. It's like, money- the other, the other thing is, is that liquor store was like fully packed. And it's like, this has been going on for 40 yeah, years. That liquor store is empty. Dude, we've been in COVID-19 for three months yeah. and it's like fucking shelves are empty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You won't even make it, be able to get aromatic bitters. Yeah. It's like a rubbing alcohol would be a fucking luxury. <laughs> oh, fucking yeah. nail polish. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you got any whiteout? <laughs> I'm having a whiteout party. Um, so, anyhow, though that kind of bullshit. But anyway, Leguizamo steals this car that I guess Simon Baker had made. Uh, yeah, Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. God. Yeah, the name's stupid. Oh, the name is stupid. The car's stupid, too. <laughs> but basically what it does is it can do anything, right? It's got like, you know... It's like the Technodrome from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Kind yes, of. yes, yeah, exactly. Of, yeah. um, and it's got AC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he steals that with a couple of his uh, goons, and they're going to point the missiles at uh, Kaufman's Yeah, yeah. He basically says, like, if you don't give me my money by midnight or whatever, I'm going to blow you out of the sky. Yep. And so what does Leguizamo do? He, he, he says, uh, deliver the money by boat to this place i'm not going to be there but someone will be there and so he sends like this fucking 14 year old skateboarder doofus kid (laughs) to wait for it well that kid gets ripped apart like literally um (laughs) because he's a fucking idiot and it's like you you sent this guy who doesn't even know his ass from his elbow (laughs) and he's listening to music on headphones and like come on man there's zombies everywhere yeah Yeah, meanwhile kaufman is hired the services basically hired the services of simon baker because he was in jail there's this whole other scene, whatever. He meets Asia Argento. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> he says, you and your people go find me, John Leguizamo. Get my dead reckoning back. That's my car. And uh, Baker's like, all right. And he, and Kaufman's going to send his goons with him also. So they, they're they out on the hunt for dead reckoning. What was he going to get out of it? Baker? Like, yeah. To, I don't know. To his live. freedom or something? Yeah. And, and to get his car back Oh, that's something. right. He wanted yeah. his car. Gives him his woody wagon. Fucking... Drives that bitch. You couldn't up. find another car. Yeah, it's like, come on, give me the fucking Brady Bunch mobile. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, so they go drive. <laughs> I want my family truckster back. You <laughs> sons of bitches. <laughs> they go and Can they I please have my rape van. <laughs> they go. Uh, 
and they hunt down Leguizamo. They find him along the way. Uh, the, one of the Samoan goons that works for uh, Kaufman, he like is a good guy. Yeah. I kind of like that guy. Yeah. What was his nickname? Samoa Joe. <laughs> Samoa no. Joe. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. He had a funny nickname, though. Oh, Pillsbury. <laughs> oh, Pillsbury. Yeah, that's right. Pillsbury. And uh, anyway, they find Leguizamo. Leguizamo's like, I guess I'll give it to you. <laughs> he just kind of gives up because Simon Baker bets they, him. Yeah, they overpower him. And uh, But Baker's like, er, Baker, Riley's like, you can leave. And uh, so he takes off with his buddy and they're going to go to fucking wherever. Yeah, he has no intention of taking Dead Reckoning back to Dennis Hopper. He's like, no, nah, I'm taking this for myself and I'm getting out of here. Yeah, they're going to go to Canada or some shit. Mm-hmm. Which I actually kind of like because I was like, thinking back earlier like the back to the what's in it for you thing yeah. like i think he also realized there's nothing in it for me so i'm gonna get out of here right yeah and he wanted to leave anyway yeah he exactly. wanted his character wanted no part of society yeah he was like finished the way with it. it was yeah he just he felt like he didn't fit anywhere well meanwhile uh big daddy zombie and his crew they they're like well what do we got to lose they're gonna cross the water and go for a little swim because because the the Village Green, or what was it called? Fiddler's Green. Fiddler's Green. Mm-hmm. That's an island, or it's got water around it. Yeah. And so they go through the water, and they determine that they can, well, not swim, just, I guess, walk underwater. Yeah. It's kind of like, what was that? In zombie? Fulci zombie? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They yeah. Walk, the underwater. Like, underwater. Yeah. yeah. Fights a shark. No buoyancy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, <laughs> don't corpses usually float? Eh, whatever. Listen, <laughs> these corpses also make noises, which means they would have to breathe, which, you know... <laughs> Yeah. None of it makes sense. It's a fucking zombie movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so they get across the water and they start attacking and they break into Village Green, Fiddler's Green. And uh, Simon Baker's got his shit. Uh, I guess around this time, Cholo gets shot. Oh, he well, he also gets bit. Yeah. Yep. And so he's going to turn into a zombie, but he decides that he wants to see how the other half lives, I think is how he puts it. Yep. And he's going to go after Kaufman. Yep. Right. So he starts making his way as he's turning towards Kaufman. Well, he gets to Kaufman, big daddy, cool zombie. He fucking <laughs> douses Kaufman with uh, gasoline. <laughs> yeah. And his, then he leaves. Car. And you're like, oh, I guess oh, he's just going to leave. Yeah, but he got nope, bored. Nope. He comes back with a Molotov cocktail. It <laughs> yeah. sets that bitch on fire. Yep. And John Leguizamo is attacking Kaufman at this time, too. They both And they both up. die. Yeah. The end. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much, right? So much. Simon Baker comes back, and he's going to rescue the town from the zombies. Right. Yeah, and they kind of save him. And I think at the end, there's still some zombies left, and they're getting ready to blast them all. And he's like, nah, let them live. He's like, yeah, they're, because just, they're the just trying to find some place to go. Big just Daddy like, Zombie gives them a look, and they share this moment of like, peace. You yeah. got your crew. It, it was I mostly, <laughs> you go your way, I'll go mine. It was mostly the upper class that got that got killed. But it wasn't like a really like satisfying moment. Like it wasn't really something to celebrate. There really wasn't any no, cause, satisfying. Because other than yeah. other than Dennis Hopper, there really wasn't any character to hate. Right. Other than some of the goons, but they were all pretty one dimensional. Yeah. But even they kind of kind of were like, mm, Kaufman's a dick. Yeah. yeah. But then um, you have like the lower class like emerges because they you know they knew where to hide. Like some of them got attacked, but yeah. Um, I, I'll go first, I guess. Um, the zombie effects were good. Greg Nicotero. Um, worked on the zombie effects and it's very uh, pre walking dead. Yeah. But it gives us a lot of walking dead uh, clues. Yeah. Uh, with what he was, he's going to end he, up doing. He in played fact, one of the zombies too. 
In oh, did he? Yeah. That's cool. Um, in fact, I think this is the first time we're introduced to the term walker. As they oh, were referring they to zombies, they called they called them walkers a couple times. Hmm. There's walkers coming up, and that was something I hadn't heard till The Walking Dead. So I had heard it somewhere else too, because when they said it in this movie, it reminded me of something else, and I was like, "Wait, I've heard it in something else too." And I can't remember what it the was. The Walking Dead pinball machine. No, that he has. no, it was something non Walking Dead. <laughs> it oh, was okay. it was another zombie movie, and they called him a walker. Yeah, I hadn't heard it before, so if you know what that is, uh, let us know, because I'd be uh, eager to find out. But um, So there was a lot of like uh, foreshadowing of what The Walking Dead was going to become you know, 10 years la- later. Um, but this movie is... The theme is good, um, you know, and I think with the class structure and everything, uh, and it means more now, like we talked about with They Live... Um, and I probably recognize a little bit more of that now in this mm-hmm. viewing of it. Um, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty boring. The movie's pretty boring at times. It's not as, it's not as good as night, dawn or day. Um, I, I, I think I mentioned earlier that I fell asleep the first time I watched it. I didn't fall asleep this time, but I was like, I, I see why I did. Like, I, <laughs> I just really wasn't into it. I don't know. Like, I like John Leguizamo's character, I guess. I thought he was okay, but there was a lot of stupid stuff. Dennis Hopper was good, too. I like when he's picking his nose and he's like, zombies. Yeah, I like that part, too. I yeah. hate zombies. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just a very natural thing for him to do. Two heads for two me. Heads. Two? Two Pamela Voorhees heads. Um, I'll go next. Uh it's it's not bad i mean it's it comes across more of like an action movie to me really it there's not really any suspense to it or any kind of um anything that that came with those watching those early um movies that george a romero did um as far as the zombie characters, like there was never really anything horrific in this movie because he put a a spotlight on them, so to speak as like a class, like as Brett mentioned in Mm -hmm. this film, like, you know, they were the lowest class. Um, So there wasn't really, I mean, it's a horror film, but you know, there wasn't really that horror element. I I mean, I mean, if anything was horrific, it was just the way, um, you know, Dennis Hopper's character, was portrayed as the villain, you know, and just, just the, the horrific side of, of class structure, so to speak. And, um, you know, just how, uh, unfair it can be. Um, but it came across more as an, you know, as an action film. Um, but I give it a three. I mean, there were some decent moments. Um, but you know, it's, it just had that message to it. Uh, which was, you know, a, a good message as far as, you know, putting a light on basically, you know, class in society. Um, so I give it a three. It's it's decent. And I, and I love, you know, some of the references that they did um, and some of the casting choices, you know, obviously just referencing George A. Romero's career. So it's good. It's not great, but it, it's good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you, Alan. Um I give it a three as well. Uh, it's definitely not my favorite of the Romero zombie movies. I like the message. I do feel it's pretty heavy handed 
but I liked the, I thought the zombie effects were awesome. Sure. Um, oh, there yeah. was one, the, the one zombie that it kind of reminded me of the little chomper ball and chain from like the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> games where the head kind of like flips. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Like bites that somebody. Kinda, that kind of got me. Yeah, I kind of jumped that at that was one, a pretty by the way. Good, that was a pretty good kill. And I thought there were some creative uh, like kills and the ways of like dispensing of the zombies. Um, but like I said earlier, I think a lot of the characters are pretty one dimensional. Even the, the good guys all kind of talk like good guys and the bad guys. And, and this is a criticism I also had of day of the dead was like the villains all kind of talk the same way. And they're, they're almost over the top, like, Oh, we're bad guys. We're goons kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, I have a hard time. Like, I just didn't find those characters believable. But yeah. I actually found the movie entertaining. I, I think it moves along at a good pace. I think there's lots of action and tons of... I mean, as far as... This had to have the biggest budget of all of his movies because there's... I, I mean, think it did. Tons of explosions and effects and violence. Yeah. And I found all that entertaining. So, overall, um, like I said, not my favorite of, of the movies by any stretch, but I do enjoy it. I gave it a three. So, that's a... 2.67 and, and, I, and I just thought I thought of something with my rating too um I, I thought they just highlighted that vehicle like just a little too the much dead re- yeah I hated that yeah, vehicle. Like, they just and, the, like, and the name is stupid like yeah, dead reckoning dead and I guess reckoning. they they almost named the movie that I'm glad they yeah. didn't like, so it just it kind of just took away the suspense element because it was just very one-sided so like it i i mean it, it's not i wouldn't even say it's really a zombie movie like it just it has zombies in it bring me back my zombie but it's rv not, it's not like your <laughs> the zombus it, it's it's not your typical like survival horror film it's different yeah. you know yeah well you know this is the fourth i guess of the six george romero zombie films i guess seven if the crazies counts right? nah Oh, did you like the Simon Pegg, uh, Edgar Wright cameo? Oh, I didn't see that. I missed it, actually. Oh, I don't okay. remember it. That was pretty cool. They were like in a photo booth, like in that scene where they have like all the gambling and stuff going <laughs> on. Oh, oh, that was yeah, cool. they were credited as photo booth zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so maybe someday we'll get around to the other two. I forget what the other, Survival of the Dead. Diary of the Dead. Diary of the Dead yeah. or some shit like that. I've only know. seen one of. I think I've seen Diary. Whatever one is after this one, I think it's Diary of the Dead. I've seen that one. I gave up after this one, and that's the one that like <laughs> it's kind of about like YouTube culture, oh. like uh, video and yeah, recording yeah. shit, and blog vlogging. Well, see the movie or don't. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you got any uh, thoughts on these movies or or any other movies that we've discussed before. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us. Uh, you can contact us via Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, the Slasher app, we're the Swearwolves on all of those platforms. We have the Swearwolves YouTube channel. We are on Instagram as the Swearwolves Podcast. Uh, you can go to our website, theswearwolves.com, and drop comments on our episodes there. Or you can reach out to us via email at swearwolvespodcast at gmail.com. So for the Swearwolves this week, I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. Fuck Trump. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. I like that. <laughs> hey, fuck him.
blue blocker sunglasses. They're really different. My name is Geek. I put them on as a shocker. Man, I love these blue blockers. Everything is clear. They block out the sun. Oh, yeah. I got to get me some. It's not like 3D, but it's got that effect where everything is so separated. They're great. Best sunglasses ever. I've been telling everyone I know about these. Honestly, goodness. It's different. I've never seen anything like these. I thought it was a gimmick when I see it on TV at night. It's not. It's real. They actually work. The original blue blocker sunglasses block 100% of the ultraviolet and blue light, have lightweight nylon frames, carrying case and lifetime limited warranty. Clip-ons available for prescription wearers. Was $49.95, now only $19.95. Accept no substitutes. Order now. We really all have to watch out for the ultraviolet rays and the damage under our eyes, and so it's really an investment in protecting your eyes. So there you have it, folks, out there in TV land. Get you some glasses that sweep in the land. Remember what I said, now I'm a hip-hop. Oh, yeah. Go get you some blue blockers. Mm.